you're a Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card member, you'll know a thing or two about an expertly packed capsule wardrobe that balances business and leisure. So you can go from conference sleek to cocktail party chic with a few new accessories. You can hustle from 9 to 5 before exploring with ease from 5 to 9. Because you're the chief excursion officer. The Delta SkyMiles Platinum Business American Express card. If you travel, you know. Learn more at go.amex slash you know business. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Take me to the king. Hello, podcast listeners. My name is Kelly Richardson Lawson. I'm a mother, a wife, and an entrepreneur. I started the Sunrise Project after our beautiful teenage son attempted to take his own life. Truth is, I'm tired. My husband and I felt despair, isolation, and immeasurable pain. I knew in my heart we needed a place for Black parents to share their struggles, find mutual support, and help our beloved children who struggle with mental wellness, addiction, or both. Each weekly podcast features an expert who shares their knowledge and takes questions from parents and children. Take me to the king. I don't have much to bring. The Sunrise Project allows Black families like ours, to find comfort in knowing that we are not alone. While the purpose of the Sunrise Project is to share, support, and uplift, this conversation is not a substitute for medical advice. Finding the right healthcare professional for your family's specific needs is crucial. If you do not feel seen or heard, you should speak to more than one professional to find the right fit. Good morning. And welcome again to our weekly Sunrise Project call. As always, I'm happy you're here, and I hope that we all find a moment of peace, some calm, and just an opportunity to gather with one another, to share, to learn, with the intention of healing ourselves, our families, and our children. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. This morning, I'm so happy to have Dr. Linda McGee back with us. She's our resident expert. And today, she's going to talk about how we can uh, focus on our physical health in the midst of dealing with stress and trauma. Many of us are having you know, ups and downs as we go through this thing called life. So Dr. Linda McGee um, has been with us um, since the very beginning. Um, you all know her and love her. She runs McGee and Associates. She is a clinical psychologist in the Washington DC area. And she's just a fantastic friend as well. And so happy to have you back, um, Dr. Linda. And I'm going to turn it over to you for this special uh, morning. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kelly. Good morning, everyone. Um, I have been going around the country via my Zoom and talking a lot about 
trauma and the impact of trauma on the body. And it's the body, mind, and the spirit. So I just want to do a little short presentation about that today. And then I'm more, I really want to leave a lot of time to talk and to share. I just want to talk about how this trauma and stress impacts us in terms of our mind, our body, and our spirit. And so I want to talk a little bit today about like trauma generally and just what it is, what it isn't. And also, I wouldn't be remiss if I didn't talk to you a little bit about racial trauma because we are experiencing it so much right now. And, and so that's a subset of trauma that's a little bit different. And I want someone to remember to ask me about the differences if I don't get to it today. Um, also, um, just that is a physical impact on your body. When you have trauma that you've taken in because of something that's happened to you and you don't combat it, right? You let it flow. You don't get help. You don't relax. You don't take care of your body. It has this impact on you and it can be deadly. Um, also, I want to leave everybody today here with a plan. We're not going to leave here without a self-care plan. I think I've even talked about self-care on this show a lot, but so some of these things I would have uh, be repeating, but I can't leave you without a plan to combat trauma, which is self-care. So what's trauma? It's, it's an emotional response that you have to an event that's happened to you. And the event can be um, an accident. It could be a sexual assault. It could be COVID. Like, you know, I'm arguing that COVID is a terrible event that's happened to all of us collectively. And it brings about this thing called trauma. So the thing about trauma that you need to know is that if, if you've suffered from it and you've had it to a certain degree, you're going to be vulnerable to physical health, mental health problems. And um, so, you know, and that's what um, Dr. Perry says, you know, if you've had it, then you're at risk for everything. So a lot of people talk about stress in, in only the negative way, right? But stress can be good or bad, right? We can have stress that's tolerable and it's positive. So the stress to get out of bed and go to school, to go to your job, to study before a test, those are all the little impetus to do to have you achieve things in your life. So like stress can be a positive motivator at a low level, right? So, you know, you might have a little bit of stress on your first day of school, but then you overcome it and, and you get to the end goal, which is to go to school. Then there's a thing that are tolerable, levels of stress that are tolerable. And um, when you have those tolerable levels of stress you can withstand them so like you break a bone but then you know you get a cast and you set it and you're a little bit sad at first and you're a little bit stressed out but you figure out how to adjust you get a cast but those are tolerable levels of stressors but then we have these things that are prolonged that are frequent and so, so subjects is, let's say, just being exposed to a lot of physical abuse, exposure to violence, right? A child that witnesses a gunshot or an adult that witnesses a shooting. Um, so those sorts of things of stress, those levels of stress are toxic. And it's in this toxic level of stress 
that we're talking about that we're going to that we're going to talk about today basically and included in that level of toxicity is racial trauma whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day eggs are a staple in our diets eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat not only are they better for you but eggland's best eggs taste better too There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. So what's racial trauma, right? It's the, it's when you have these the same physical and physiological symptoms that people of color experience, but it's after being exposed to racism. And this racial trauma is cumulative. It just piles on top of each other to create this huge form of stressors that have these physical and emotional impacts. And as many of you have read, uh, because I know many of you on here are, um, know a little bit about this topic, it's cumulative and intergenerational. So you can pass that along the generation. So let's say you had a mother who was subject to severe racial trauma. Let's say that she was um, undergone like physical and sexual assaults from someone of another race and that she just went through this systemic system of racism in this country and she really absorbed the impact. Well, obviously that impacts how we all parent is because we might've been parented by someone who was traumatized. And I see a lot of fear-based parenting in my practice and I know that that's a result of intergenerational trauma. So what are the physical impacts of, of like racial trauma? So we have these things called comorbidities. And so when we get one thing, it means that we're, we're more likely to get another, right? So a comorbidity could be high blood pressure and heart disease. So what happened during COVID is that we already had comorbidities. We already had a higher incidence of diabetes uh, obesity, heart disease. And so when COVID came in, we were particularly vulnerable. Um, we have, um, in most diseases, a lot of times, uh, uh, particularly African-Americans, will we'll have a lower initial prevalence of the disease, meaning that we're less likely to get it. But once we get to our middle age, then we, uh, we die, more than likely die from the thing than, than, um, than other people of other races. So we have this confusion in, among African-Americans that we, it, people say black don't crack or they say you know other races don't age very well physically. Well, that's an external thing. That's what we call a phenotype. It's how a gene's expressed, but it doesn't impact so much what's going on on the inside of you. And as many of you know, we could all look fabulous and look younger than our ages and thank God for that. But it really is, is that it's not a sign that trauma is not catching up with you. So we also have these things called tel- um, inflammatory situations that impact disease. And so let me just say a little bit about that. Inflammation is associated with several common disorders, right? Including preterm birth, and cardiovascular disease. And that each of those are known 
to contribute disproportionately to mortality rates among um, African-Americans, um, both children and adults. So they did all these studies and they figured out that African-American women are more likely than white women to carry things that increase the presence of inflammatory effects, which is negative, which, is, which is, has a negative effect on the growth of a disease. And we have less of the things that suppress inflama inflammation. So this, these inflammation studies are ongoing, but basically what it is is saying that we have things that will make us more likely to have in inflammation, and we have the things that fight, we have less of the things that fight inflammation. We also have these things called shortened telomeres. And so what happens is, is that this is a part of the cell. And uh, telomere, tele, telomeres shorten with age. But what we now know is that in African-Americans, the telomeres shorten quicker. And so we are more vulnerable to the progression of disease that are resulted from cell deterioration. So in any kind of stress um, and trauma, and some of this is the research is on um, race and some of it isn't, but research is linked the, between race-related stress and anxiety disorders, cardiovascular reactivity, immunological functioning, and sleep disturbance. And, and like sleep disturbance just seems like it doesn't belong, but what actually happens is that sleep impacts mental health. It impacts your weight. It impacts your eating habits. Um, it impacts exercise. It impacts a lot of things. And the more that we look at sleep, the more that we see that it has an impact. So I'm not gonna go through all these things, but here are things that trauma of all kinds, not just racial impact, right? And I, I put these up here today so you all could see if you were suffering from any of these and making some connections between these diseases and the level of stress that you have. There's some things on here that I have no idea why they would be related to stress, but they uh, a lot of chronic pain syndromes are also um, autonomic nervous system disorders like irritable bowel syndrome, um, reflex sympathetic dystrophy. Um, so there are a lot of things that are associated with stress. And what we also know is that it brings about biological aging in African-American women. So when we looked at stress and poverty and we did studies on biological aging, we figured out in these studies, or they figured out in the studies, that Black women had, were 7.5 years biologically older than white women. When you look at the cells and, um, and the stress on the cells caused by trauma. The CDC, the Census Bureau have reported that as of now, 33%, up to 40% of Americans are suffering from some form of mental illness due to COVID. So we're in this situation where we have a pandemic, but we also have um, the impact of trauma generally on anxiety, depression, OCD. Obviously when you're stressed and traumatized, you have a post-traumatic stress. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. Um, we're recording the highest rates of eating disorders and substance abuse disorders. 
um, due to relapses because of COVID. And also, unfortunately, there's an increase in the hospitalization rate uh, for everyone, but particularly children. And there is an increasing suicide rate among young people. And that is particularly acute in African-Americans, children, and particularly acute within that group with the youngest African-Americans. So, you know, unfortunately, like um, the suicide rate for children between five and 11, if you can even believe that, is at its all time high. What do you look like when you are traumatized? You're irritable, you're hypervigilant, and that's a fancy way for saying that you are watchful and on guard. Um, you're more likely to be depressed or anxious, and we talked about the sleep disorders. It's not just that you have these emotional responses, you also have these existential responses. So like, for, for example, for a lot of African-Americans who have not just undergone COVID, undergoing all this racial bias, um, election stress, um, we talked a little bit about this, I think the last time I was on is not just all of those things going on at the same time, but also like we've had the death of some of our leaders like John Lewis and Katherine Johnson, and so for many people in, in, in various racial groups, including Asian Americans and Hispanic Americans, there is an increased likelihood that we have these existential questions that go along with trauma. And that's like, we're in this real survival mode, meaning that like when you're in a survival mode, you're just using all of your energies just to survive. Thriving and happiness, and hope and all of those things sort of are subsumed with this desire to just survive. We also don't trust the system. We don't have hope in our government as much as we used to. We wonder like, how can the world be so cru cruel? And many people feel disconnected and lonely. And I was speaking to someone the other day and he said that he has never felt so um, traumatized or upset about the way things are going right now in the country. So that is a little bit about how trauma looks generally. And I just wanna say a, a few words about black children in stress. Beginning in infancy, you're more likely to have uh, trauma if you are um, come from a lower social class, if you're lower income, Obviously, Black children are more likely to undergo these frightening experiences um, than white children. And children who are exposed are more likely to suffer from academic problems and behavioral problems. So a lot of times what people see in school and punished as behaviors are, in fact, trauma responses. And that's one of the things that I've been out there speaking about is to have people recognize when a child is traumatized and they're not just misbehaving for misbehaving sake. Really, this can happen for adults too, because the, the uh, adult is the result of a child, right? So it means that we sometimes feel internalized evaluation. We don't have a good sense of self. And that leads to this assaulted sense of self. We feel like that we're voiceless. And so a lot of people carry around this internal anger and stressors with them. We feel like that, you know, a lot of our youth feel like that they just don't matter. And so these are some of the ways that 
racial trauma and trauma wound our youth. How do you address trauma? You address it with self-care and effective coping strategies. And I put an asterisk up there because I just want to make clear that this is where sort of the, psycholo the psychological theories differ. With regular run-of-the-mill trauma, they emphasize coping strategies. And that is, in, that is inclusive of self-care. But when you have racial trauma, the asterisk is for ways to fight. Um, because typically you address racial trauma by self-care and effective coping strategies, but you also need ways to combat and fight for your rights and fight for justice. So the asterisk stands for justice. So any kind of way that you can center yourself, regroup, um, and address your stressors is self-care, okay? It's, it's not that big of a deal. It's not, it's not that fancy a terminology. So how many of you are like feeling like this is you, right? You're constantly juggling children. And this could be a man too, so sorry, I didn't mean to discriminate. But how many feel like that you're constantly juggling and you're always in danger of dropping balls? People are saying yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Everyone. Um, yes. Okay. So I'm going to get to that in a minute and I will address it. So it's, it's this like any activity you can do to take care of yourself physically, mentally, emotionally. It's really individualized. It's not one size fits all. My yoga or my Pilates may not meet your meditation and you're going to Bali and you're, you know, you're swimming or whatever you do to take care of yourselves. Um, it's supposed to improve your mood, right? So if you do something, it's supposed to improve your mood, not um, make you more anxious. It's so that you can live what we call the B word, a more balanced life, right? And so this idea of wellness is in self-care are related, but they're not always the same. And so one of the things that I don't like about these terms is that they've kind of become commercialized a little bit, you know, buy this treatment, be, you know, take care of yourself. But self-care is more organic. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. It's not something you force yourself to do. It shouldn't be another thing on your list. It helps to fuel you. It's not selfish to take... Uh, for Kelly to take 30 minutes on her and to, to do a uh, Peloton ride. It's not mindless snacking, right? It's, it's not retail therapy even without a budget, right? And it's not just a spa day. It can be a spa day. And I don't knock them, ladies and gentlemen, but it's not just a spa day. So what happens when you don't take care of yourself? You lose your perspective on things. You have more relational conflict, you're tired, you can't sleep, you gain weight or you lose weight and you're less productive. So when you push yourself sometimes, even though you're putting in longer hours, you might be better served for taking some time off 
and then getting back at it tomorrow. When you take care of yourself and you deal with the trauma that we all have as a part of our well-being and stressors, you can serve society better, you're healthier, you have better energy, clearer perspective. Um, I did this talk for leaders, so you know it impacts leaders and your leadership capabilities, and it just increases your contentment. An empty lantern provides no light. Self-care is the few that allows you to, your light to shine brightly, and that's a phrase that I love using in my talks on self-care. This is a message for the women. We get conflicting themes about self-care. There's a push to achieve for us now. We seize the moment, take the reins, be the boss. But it conflicts with taking care of yourself. And especially when it comes down to taking care of everyone else. Many women are taking, helping to take care of children. They're taking care of um, the adult parent, their parents, and they're taking care of people at work. And so that also conflicts with this meme of like this nobility of women, womanhood, that we have to be selfless. And if we're not selfless, then we're not a real woman because a real woman just like takes care of everyone else to the exclusion of herself. And we also have these memes and um, icons that we're unbreakable and that we're, we're either invulnerable or we're vulnerable. So we get these conflicting messages. A lot of people feel like self-care, we tell ourselves that self-care is a sign of weakness. It's a vanity. It's, it's vain for me to go out on those walks. Um, you're not worthy of self-care. A lot of this has to do with the internalized trauma, right? Which is why I led into it like that. Because if you feel like you're not worthy, then you're not worthy to take care of yourself. A lot of us, including me, think that, you know, sometimes self-care takes a lot of time when you could be working or doing other things. So these are the internal messages we give ourselves. Our children need to need us too much right now. It costs too much. You know, when, when in fact, you know, like a walk doesn't cost anything. And then I put in the end kind of to make you all laugh a little bit because I hear it from all groups. We're blank. We don't need self-care. So that could be we're Africans, we're Black, we're Asian, we're, you know, we're women, we're, you know, whatever your phrase is, I, if I had a dime for every time someone said to me that we're in this group, we don't need self-care. Does that sound familiar to any of you all? Then we have this system of sexism where we're literally uh, historically in a one down position. We're not representing in the government. We still, uh, as much, we still earn less money. And we perform more of the parenting and household capabilities. So we, and the nature of many women, not all, but most women is that we are nurturers by nature. So we're fighting against the age old legacy. So Self-care is often like talked about individually, but we have to talk about the, the systems by which they exist in which they exist. So this system of structural and, inter and institutional influence that keep us from exercising self-care, like sexism, racism, and economic barriers. So we want to be mindful of the fact that when we talk about self-care to ourselves and others, that it takes place in this system, right? 
and oppression and trauma influence our well-being. Um, so to look at it like this is that ongoing generational trauma and violence affects our communities, our bodies, our hearts, minds, and spirits. So it's not just a one-on-one -on -one thing. It's a collective trauma that we're also combating. And my favorite expression is on um, self-care is not caring for myself. It's not an indulgence. It's self-preservation. And that is an act of political warfare. And that's from Audrey Lord. I love that expression. And it's from a burst of light because what it says to me is that we as people sometimes, particularly those of us that might be in marginalized uh, populations, that might be men who are not thought of as people that need to take care of themselves, but that is, is, that is an act of self-preservation. And that in, in, for marginalized communities of any kind is a real strikeout for freedom, not just individually, but for collective. How do you take care of yourself? All right. So first of all, you have to figure out what you need, what's going well, what you could do better. Can I get there on my own? You got to first accept who you are, get help. We're not superhuman. So we we're sometimes just get overwhelmed. There's services there to help you. Use your friends. Take a break. Do not rely have, uh, so heavily on substances. Use them wisely. I've been concerned about COVID and people talking about having drinks all the time because I'm worried that we're going to end up with um, people that are, um, we're going to end up with people that are more addicted to substances after we get out of COVID. Limit your social media. So how can you take care of yourself? You figure out ways to take care of your mind, by mental health and stress management, your body, rest, sleep, nutrition, your spirit, meditation, religion, yoga. So what I want you to leave with is to think about doing one thing a day for yourself. One thing a day for yourself. And whether it's like you just take three minutes to breathe, you shut yourself off from your kids, you let your kids leave a voicemail or a text that you don't respond to right away. So I want you to think about that and then use humor. Humor has helped uh, us through centuries get through and weather the storm. Keep track of your triggers. Know about your own stress. Ask yourself how you're feeling today. Did I encounter any significant challenges? What things in the past have served to destabilize you? So knowing that when someone screams at you, that that brings up all these trauma responses is a key to being able to combat it. There are all kinds of apps that can help. There's daily uh, mood tool apps. You can, you can track your mental health. Therapy is a good thing. <laughs> People think that they can't get a therapist, but even if you don't feel like you're depressed or anxious, if you feel like you have problems that you want to talk about, then you can. For parents and leadership, the one thing I wanted to talk about is the power of delegation and the power to limit your new social media impact and create a no list, things that you will no longer do. And that includes not checking your email at night or not attending gatherings that you don't like, but just like start to peel off things that you either don't enjoy or are unnecessary. Finally, I would love for you all to look at these following ways 
to like take care of yourselves. And again, this is going to be available to you. Um, but there are all kinds of ways you can take care of yourself from the physical to the financial, um, your work, your personal space, which is particularly important during COVID. And finally, again, these will be available to you and I'll figure out how, but I would love for you all to leave today with thinking about ways in your current practice and one thing that you will do for yourself in terms of mind, body, spirit, emotions, your work, your relationships, and what your barriers are. So that was a lot. <laughs> and I'm going to take some time right now to talk with you more about these items and what questions you might have about what I said. Super helpful. Any questions or thoughts from um, the group for Dr. Linda? Good morning. Hi, Dr. McKee. Um, thank you for your presentation. It was it was mind blowing. It really was. Um, so much is, is going on in, in my emotions um, about how what you've shared uh, shows up in my life and, and shows up in the lives of my, of my children. And so my question to you is um, about the ongoing work. So um, I am part of the uh, class from USC who uh, was abused by the um, gynecologist um, oh, some my. 30 years ago. And um, my, my daughter suffered uh, abuse in college as well that I just found out about maybe four years ago. Um, so my question is, I, I found out about the, the lawsuit in 2019 and the triggering that happened after that and, and the need to, to get into the therapy so that one, I could uh, begin to address the, the need that I had to do my deposition. And there was mm -hmm. so much that needed to be uncovered. Um, but now that, you know, we're, we're past that point, they actually um, just had their, their final settlement announced and so, you know, that had its own level of, of triggering that happened. I hate that word, but God, I can't mm -hmm. think of another one. Mm -hmm. um, but you talk about the ongoing work. And because all of this uh, was so new for me, you know, this happened back in 1990, but it, it became present to me in 2019. And so, you know, I've, I've done the work so that I could, I could uh, actually provide my deposition, but in the ongoing work, where do I begin? I mean, I, I said to someone the other day, had it not been for the lawsuit, it would have taken me a decade to do the amount of work that I did in a year. And, and I, I want to continue on, but I also now, in justice with what you shared, I knew there was some correlation with my daughter. I just hadn't been able to wrap information around it well, so mm -hmm. i'm ahead. sorry go ahead. i was just gonna say how do i move forward and how do i help her to move forward she she is in therapy herself but i'd like to figure out a way that i can not just be support for her but but almost walk in a parallel track because i see now that it's intergenerational and i i didn't even know well first of all i just want to say um i hear the emotion in your voice and 
I know that what we're talking about today is really difficult, which is why we heard this big silence <laughs> after I got done speaking, but for, and also for what you're going through. A lot of times when you're working through trauma, it has stages, right? So you're dealing, you might just be dealing, you might be in shock at the beginning. You might um, need counseling to deal with the shock of it all, you know, like someone dies suddenly or something like that, or you go through um, trauma and abuse, like uh, sexual abuse. And then you have to deal with the external world. So you need counseling just to get through the litigation of it. But it sounds like to me that both you and your daughter still could maybe use some internal work, you know? So like, I would urge you that even though like the litigation seems to be winding down, that you deal with your fir yourself first and then with your daughter. Because what the tendency would be to put all your resources on your daughter, right? <laughs> and when you talk about intergenerational, that's why that happens. Is because yeah. we don't deal with our own stressors and traumas. And then we just put all our money and we have $100,000 and we put $99,900 on our kids because that's just how we're conditioned. But what I want to urge you to do today is, first of all, I want to congratulate you for being courageous enough to speak on this issue on an open line. Um, I can't tell you what that might do for one of these 30-something people on the line somebody's hearing you today somebody might you know like listen to this and get help themselves so i i you know i in in our community particularly i cannot tell you how important and valuable that is but i also want to urge you to your daughter's in treatment you invest in yourself not mm -hmm. just with therapy but like really sitting down with these charts and um, getting started on, uh, you know, like um, last year, I looked at everything, you know, and it's not going to happen overnight, but there are a lot of things that are going on in everyone's life that lead to them not feeling a good sense of well-being. Mm -hmm. And I, and, and then to start small, that's the last thing I want to say is that you might work on one little piece with your therapist and you might join uh, a breathing class right? That might be your thing that you're going to do for now. Then you're like, well, you know, now I want to move my body more or I want to work on my sleep. So last year, I, I said this on the last time I was on here, I worked on water and mm -hmm. sleep. Those are the two things that those are the only things that I worked on for months. I love water it. and sleep, right? Um, so um, again, I want you to like divide your attentions as much as you can, but please carve out uh, a measure of before you and your child and also explore ways that make you feel better. Like, like this, it could be, everything's different. Spiritual well-being. what feeds you? Try to give yourself that. Okay. Thank Someone, you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Also, just to thank you so much for sharing that because I know from personal experience, we don't heal until we reveal. Right. And so when you reveal your truth and you're vulnerable, then it starts the process. And right. I think what Dr. Linda said, you know, one step at a time. Yeah. And um, uh, I love the idea of the sleep, you know, and that's a, a, one of the people in the chat said, it feels so overwhelming. What can I do? Like what are some small things or mini solution? If right. you want to address that, um, Dr. Yes, Linda. Yes, I would. Um, 
what I've been urging people to do is to do the analysis that, you know, how, what, what I need to do, but start small, like literally five minutes, right? You know, I, I just convinced a woman after many, many years of doing nothing for herself, she is now taking off one hour a week and going to do something like an exercise class or something like that. Um, start small, right? Look at, but assess your needs first. Like literally after this call today, if you could just sit down, you don't even need my charts to do this. Just with your mind, your body, uh, your emotions, your spirit, write it down. And just like, which one of these seems to be the most pressing right now, right? Is it mean like, man, I need to start ordering more nutritious food and start to like eat a little bit better as we continue to move through COVID. So start with one thing and then build. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense to people? It is. It was a lot of information. And honestly, for you all talking about trauma is traumatizing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> because especially when I talk about race trauma, because we don't want to feel that the world impacts us to the degree that it does. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's very difficult, especially as parents, that we don't feel like we can control our child's environment because of, you know, external factors like racism. So, mm -hmm. but please um, open up. I, I wanted to say something. Yeah, I just wanted to thank you for this presentation. Um, I went to the doctor, just my regular PCP, my, pers my personal care physician, and she actually took one look at me and she was like, are you going, are you having pain in your shoulders? And I said, um, actually I am. And she sent me to physical therapy and I've been going to physical therapy twice a week. And unbeknownst to me, I actually stand with my shoulders clenched. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I'm driving with my shoulders clenched mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. And I, so I think as you talk about trauma, I know a lot of it is COVID and the pandemic and everything that's come with that for me, but I will say that just getting that 60 minutes of self-care is making a huge difference. My muscles were so constricted and so tight. They, the therapists were shocked. Mm -hmm. So, um, and they're doing various, you know, whether it's exercises or stretching, mm -hmm. they even do needling on me, but all of those things are making a difference. And I thought I didn't have the time, but I am making this time and I really think it makes a difference. So, so what happens is when you're in that room and you're getting help, it reinforces the notion that you're worthy of it, right? Mm -hmm. So it builds the inside and then you get in there and you start discovering, hey, the world kept revolving and I left it for an hour. Right. Yes. And then you realize that maybe I could leave it again, or maybe the kids would be okay if I joined the exercise class, or maybe they'll even be better if I take 10 minutes and close the door of my bedroom when everybody's getting on my blankety blank nerves and just take a break. So like it reinforces the notion people think that you have to change your thinking in order to change your actions. But what happens is the reverse you change your behaviors and then your thinking changes. So she went to PT and she realized that, hey, right, I can take care of myself for one hour, mm -hmm. right? And, and that I'm worthy of it, what she didn't say. Mm -hmm. um, can, can you share, uh, someone said in the chat, can you share what I, the work I did in sleep? 
there's just various things that you can do about sleep. I wasn't getting enough and I was waking up in the middle of the night. So my goal was to a few days of the week to get more than five hours of sleep, right? I, I you know, it's still not seven days, but it's five. And the one of the ways that I did that is I just analyzed what was keeping me awake. A, I was going to bed too late. B, I was taking my devices to bed with me. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm doing everything that I tell my clients not to do. And I'm just going to be honest. Sometimes I would have a drink. I figured out that didn't work. Like that actually made me go to sleep or wake up, right? So just trying to get more sleep. I now don't do so much work late in the evening because my mind wouldn't settle down. So those are some of the things that I did to, um, but you can just Google how to get better sleep. And there's many articles. They'll tell you, don't take your devices to bed. Try to get a sleep routine, calming teas, whatever it is that takes you to unwind to go to sleep. What's your perspective um, on sleep medication? Like my um, doctor gave me Ambien and I'm going to be honest, it's actually quite helpful but I take the smallest dosage mm -hmm. is the only way I can sleep more than three hours. I uh, am not, I'm going to say something that probably people on this line may be a little bit surprised by. If you can't sleep at all, it's probably better to take the Ambien. Yeah. Um, you know, I too have been prescribed it, but it is, if you can do it without it, if you, there's things you can do without it, like um, melatonin and uh, someone tells me about this CBD and melatonin mixed works for them. Um, but if you cannot sleep and you are not sleeping more than two or three hours a night, I think that that is a health emergency and that you should take sleep medication, but you should still work on other ways of getting your, of relaxing yourself. Linda, I, I was just going to ask, is melatonin safe for our children? I know a lot of people that give it to their children, but I fully, I fully recommend that you talk to the child's pediatrician before okay. you give it to them. And also like, because the thing is melatonin is only supposed to be used in smaller doses for adults. So I would be, I would definitely feel like I would definitely feel more comfortable for those of you who are listening to like talk to your pediatricians before you give it, especially to younger children. Okay. There's another comment, Linda. I've been prescribed. Yeah. Trazodone, yes. Uh huh. Again, like I said, if you cannot sleep at all, I would recommend that you get a prescription. But I also think that that coupled with other self care mechanisms like trying to reduce your stressors, if you can't reduce your stressors and trying to take better care of yourself in addition to the sleep meds. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. and also, you know, definitely turn off your text notifications. Mm -hmm. So is there anyone else on here that has a question about trauma or wants to talk about trauma and trying to heal from trauma? I had a, a question about trauma and um, it's actually something that recently happened. Um, my niece was uh, recently shot in the face by her sister-in-law. Oh my! And twenty-three years old, oh and her my. two sisters, that are fifteen and nineteen, um, witnessed it. And mm -hmm. their brother, of course, who's it was his wife who who did it. And um, I guess the the trauma question I have just from being a family member is, how do you 
help them push through the blame game, right? So everyone's blaming the the brother because it was his wife and they're mm-hmm. saying, you could have stopped this. But of course he has no power over someone who already has ill intentions and this will of hate. So I guess where the trauma is for me, and um, I have not slept since last Sunday when this happened in Lansing, Michigan, which has been all over the news. And I guess what I, you know, I, I just don't know how to be that glue because you have his, you know, direct siblings who are wanting to cause him harm because, you know, he was there and he could have did something. And then you have me on the other side saying, you know, God doesn't allow, uh, you know, us to do ill will with, without helping us through a solution. Right. Um, but so, I, feel, I feel like for me, I can't sleep. I can't eat. I can't think. So I'm just not really sure how to be helpful to them and me at the same time. Well, again, you know, put the life vest on yourself first. Right. Um, but but I would say y'all need professionals. I'm just going to be out front with you on that. That, uh, uh, you know, somebody, if one family member shooting another family member is a severe trauma and it's a vicarious trauma, meaning that, you know, all of y'all are impacted. And every time you look at this person or every time you look at your sibling, your brother is going to come up. So my, my advice to you is to, you know, maybe get one therapist who can help you with not just yourself, but for, you know, the people around you and give you advice about how to deal with it. Also, the, the siblings need to process it. Like some families just get that push, push forward, keep it moving, but this needs to be processed, but it needs to be processed by professionals. And if there's animosity and blame going on, you need like a family therapist or someone who's really good at trauma. And so that would just sort of be my overarching advice is to like offer, the, try to get help and offer it to people that are willing to get it, including your brother. So that's my, that's my thought. Well, this was a really, you know, heavy topic today and really appreciate you, Dr. Linda, always for being here and for people who opened up and shared this morning, because by sharing, it helps all of us. It really does. So thank you so much um, for being here again. Um, Dr. Linda, appreciate you. Every time you're here, um, you drop some, so many gems. So thank you for that. And uh, right now I'll turn it over to Kelly Chapman, our executive director of the Sunrise Project to close us out with a prayer. Thank you all again. Father God, wonderful counselor, everlasting father, Prince of Peace. We give you praise this morning for who you are. We thank you for Dr. Linda McGee, who always has fresh knowledge and insights for us here at the Sunrise Project. We ask that you continue to bless her and elevate her as she has a message for the masses. Today, Lord, we place ourselves on your throne. Many of us are traumatized by the pandemic, racism, abuse, and more. Yet we wear a mask of strength, We wear t-shirts that say we are too blessed to be stressed. But Lord, today we acknowledge that our bodies are fatigued. Some of us may even have physical ailments. We understand now that the correlation is close between tension and pain, and it's very closely related to our circumstances. In addition to our trauma, we are stretched with activities. Our plates are full, 
Plus, we may operate from fear-based parenting. But we know that you said that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Forgive us, Lord, for our fearful and trauma-based reactions to our circumstances. Forgive us for the choices that we make in our own strength and not yours. Today, we learned about the various ailments that come from stress. We desire to live a life where we prosper and are in good health, even as our soul prospers. We know that we must do better. We pray that today will be the day that we make a change. So thank you, Lord, for the grace to start today. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Kelly. Amen. As always, appreciate you. Um, thank you again, everyone, for being here. And we'll be back next week. Have a good week, everyone. I'm Kelly Richardson Lawson, and you've been listening to the Sunrise Project podcast. You can follow Sunrise wherever you listen to podcasts. If you haven't yet, open your podcast app and follow this show. Join us next week for another gathering of support. Thank you for listening. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental wellness challenges, contact your doctor, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or both. You can reach NAMI's helpline at 800-950-6264, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or email at info at NAMI.org. Volunteers are working to answer questions, offer support, and provide practical next steps. Whether you're making the same breakfast that you have every day or baking a cake for an extra special day, eggs are a staple in our diets. Eggland's best eggs are nutritionally superior to ordinary eggs, containing more vitamins and 25% less saturated fat. Not only are they better for you, but Eggland's best eggs taste better too. There's a reason that they're America's number one eggs. Visit egglandsbest.com for additional information and delicious recipes. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.